Welcome to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast. We're back with new episodes in 2017, telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics across the world. I'm your host, Rob Howe, and if you'd like to get involved with Diabetics Doing Things, all you have to do is shoot me an email or reach out via Instagram. The more people I talk to, the more conversations I have about folks who felt they were all alone living with type 1 diabetes, and so they live their lives without ever really having a conversation with someone who understands what they may be going through on a day-to-day basis. I was no different. Until I started this podcast, I wasn't involved in the T1D community at all. But what's interesting is how everyone's relationship with their own diabetes shifts after they get involved, even if just on social media. I encourage everyone to reach out to their local JDRF or ADA chapter, even if it's just to ask for help getting pointed in the right direction. JDRF's Type 1 Nation event is incredible. It was the first time I had ever been in a room with over 100 diabetics. It was very uh, eye-opening. I had a great time. This year, I'm moderating the teen panel at the Dallas event on April 23rd, so if you're there, be sure to say hi. Get involved. It'll change the way you live with this disease and can even make a difference in someone else's life. All right, now back to the episode. All right, welcome back to Diabetics Doing Things. My special guest today is someone who's become my really my close friend over the last year or so is uh, Tanya Kanovaloff from uh, JDRF Dallas. Hello. Good job with the last name, by the way. <laughs> I, I cheated. Don't uh, don't let her don't let her fool you. Um, so this is a this is a rarity because we are in person, so we're face to face doing this interview. Most of the time, uh, those of you who have been on the show and those of you who have heard me talk about Skype problems, uh, we're here in person today, uh, which is a lot of fun, and I'm really glad that we're going to do this. Yes, I am too. You had to um, come out through the rain to get here, but I appreciate it. Oh, I'm glad <laughs> to do it. So uh, let's talk a little bit. Let's just start from day one because uh, I guess last year you celebrated your 40th anniversary, right? Yes, yes. So in um, a couple months, it's going to be 41 years, which is crazy because if you saw me, you'd go, clearly she's 29. How is that even possible? But uh, yeah, so it's been 41 years. And um, as other people who have been living with us for a long time can probably remember, it's changed so much. Um, When I was first diagnosed, the only way I could tell what my sugar level was at home was to do a urine test so i would have to my mom would call me in off the playground like an hour before it was time to eat have to go to the bathroom and then drink a whole bunch of water and then right before it was time to eat i have to go to the bathroom again and there was this little chemistry set with like a test tube and a dropper and you did all these things you dropped a little pill into the test tube and it bubbled up and turned to color and you compared that to a chart which was very mucky it was orange to green was the color uh, spectrum. So super uplifting colors. Sure. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. And they were all just like mucky, muckier, muckiest. Um, and you'd go, okay, I think I'm between 150 and 200. Well, now we know that's two hour old information, so it wasn't really even that helpful. Um, but it was all we had. And then I got my first blood glucose meter to take home, and that thing was literally the size and weight of a brick. Um, and every time I used it, it was you know three minute calibration, and then you had to get what was called the hanging drop of blood, which was a basically a big drop of blood um, and then three more minutes and then you washed it off with water and you patted it dry it went on and on but it was so much better than the urine test that it was exciting um, so it's super exciting to see where we are now and how many advancements have been made and um, how many tools are out there to help us now I just you know didn't have that much back then it's great to talk to people who you know are running CGMs and who now are you know getting close to these closed loop type systems and just seeing that like even when in the last ten years you know how far we've come with pump technology and everything, um, it's just fascinating. So I'm, it is. Uh, I'm really glad that we're all able to connect and share on those. 
Um, something that I didn't mention is that we're actually uh, sitting here at JDRF Dallas headquarters. So, yes. uh, Tanya, tell, tell us about what you do for JDRF. So, I am the outreach manager for JDRF uh, Greater Dallas, and literally, this is the world's best job for me. I absolutely love it. Uh, I'm, a, I'm an outgoing people person, I love to talk, so this allows me to do that all the time. Obviously, I'm a type 1 diabetic, so these are my people. Um, so I've been here for a little over three years now, and uh, my role as outreach manager includes um, almost anything that allows me to interact with the families and introduce families to each other so that they have support networks and they know that they're not alone, which for me growing up, I was the only person I knew with diabetes, or at least that admitted it out loud. Out loud. Um, so I meet the families at usually the point of diagnosis. So we have two children's hospitals here. I go to a class called D101, Diabetes 101, and at the end of them learning about carbohydrate counting and insulin and just all the crazy things, exercise and all those things for a day, um, then I come in and tell them about JDRF. And I tell them my little story about being type one for 40 years and you know, talk about the progress that's been made so far and how so much of that has to do with JDRF and all the research that we funded. And then I give them a little research updates on some things that are right around the corner which are really exciting and promising. And I can just see people's faces light up. You know, all of a sudden people will get out pens and start taking notes and um, people will stop squirming so much and lean forward and wanna hear what's going on. Um, and I think them seeing me being healthy and happy and um, you know, doing well after 40 years gives them hope too. Um, many of them may think this is it. This is, you know, a, a sentence for my child to have a short, you know, unfulfilling life. Um, and what, so. What's that like, uh, you know, after, because you're in a very em emotionally vulnerable state after a diagnosis, probably in the last couple of weeks, you know, you're adjusting, you've got your stuff at home as a parent. And um, what's that like for you to see sort of hope kind of come out and, um, you know, the questions that they get after they've learned, after they see someone who, after who is taking care of themselves for this long amount of time, and um, and is still 29 years old. Yeah, very nice. You you picked up on that. Um, it's amazing. That's one of my favorite parts of my job. It's hard to meet newly diagnosed families, and of course, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. But to see that um, I am making an impact and hopefully providing some hope, and you know, to see. Families light up if I get to meet the kiddos and see them. Usually the kids are handling it so much better than the parents at that point. You know, they're, they're confident and they're no problem and the parents are, you know, kind of barely hanging on sometimes. Um, but it is, it's so rewarding and fulfilling. And then um, what I'm able to do from that point is hopefully engage them in the chapter. So we have a um, program where volunteers who have been living with the diagnosis for a while will reach back out to newly diagnosed families and I coordinate that and so these new families are not alone. They get to uh, hear from somebody else who's been living with it to learn their tips and tricks and share their experiences and hopefully have some emotional connection too so they feel like they can share some of what they're dealing with. Um, so it, it is, it's the most rewarding thing to be able to help these families and then see them later coming out to the walk or coming to an educational event or coming to art day and realize that they're doing great, you know, and their parents are handling it now and the kids are making other friends with type one and 
Like I said, it's the best job. <laughs> so cool. And I'm going to put you on the spot for a second because I don't know if you have these like numbers, but how many how many type one families would you say that you interact with on, I don't know, a monthly or a yearly basis? Well, let's see, some numbers I do have. Uh, last year, I met 306 newly diagnosed kiddos in their families, um, plus adults with type one, which uh, that's you know a different number. So I would say maybe I met 400 new families last year, um, but then we are we have our existing uh, chapter, which we just sent out an email newsletter to, and that went to 38,000 people. Now I clearly don't meet all 38,000, but I would say um, on a regular basis, I'm probably touching base with about 100 families every month, and uh, that I know and I'm getting to know better and have relationships with. And that 38,000 is type one diabetics just in the Dallas area or surrounding who lived here at some point. Well, I, who have somehow opted in. Okay. So they have said yes, I would like your newsletter, and um, you know our system gets rid of duplicates and things like that. So it's a true number um, in the greater Dallas for well, no greater Dallas area. That's funny that you. You know you just think about I guess you, you always wonder because I you know I've now met you know five I think in my <laughs> own little like outside of any sort of diabetes activities five people in my real random life that are type 1 and I think you know you start to think how many of us are out there right right well these numbers though are probably say there's two parents that right. have a child so you know there's two right now right there and maybe grandparents or you know so that's that's probably not a true number for how many type ones there are although we certainly don't have the market on all the type ones either you know right. there may be people that don't know about us and we want to make sure that they're included and involved and um, you know we have an adult uh, meetup group here and uh, we call it yada and that stands for young active diabetic adults and we have a meeting once a month and we alternate between happy hours and you know talking about a subject and that's a great way for I, I love that because I feel like there's not adults then hanging out by themselves out there alone not knowing anyone so um, I really enjoy that it's not necessarily part of my job but it's the uh, it's a really fun thing and um, encouraging thing to be able to welcome adults well and, and that's something that in my conversations with other people I think we talk a lot about community and how important it is to uh, know that you're not the only one out there right. and I think um, it's interesting to hear people talk about because it's very similar to me uh, I was diagnosed when I was 16 I accepted the diagnosis was like okay this is great I'm gonna just take care of myself and continue on doing my regular day-to-day -day life but I never really connected with other diabetics. I didn't get real involved. I was a little bit, I was in my teen angst year, so I didn't want to go to camp. Right. Swinging. I was like, I'm too cool for that. So um, I didn't get to go to camp and I didn't, um, I, I just never had inter in, interacted with someone and talked about it until I was a little bit older. And I think that's true for, I don't know about the majority, but a lot of people have that same experience. So how, how important is the community you know, uh, getting involved in that, especially early on? It is priceless. It really, really is. And we're um, incredibly lucky here because we do have some camps right around here that um, enable kiddos to meet other kids and I think that it just completely changes their lives all of a sudden they're not feeling alone or like they're the odd one or the you know um, I remember I just thought I was a freak so I didn't tell anybody about it in elementary school and high school even um, you were just a secret mad scientist every time you had to eat <laughs> I was I was I was trying to figure it out in my head and of course back then like I said we didn't have a take-home blood test meter so it was just guessing um, but as soon as I started meeting people after college um, little by little and then I 
got a hold of uh, one of the women here at JDRF um, invited me to an adult support group thing, I was on cloud nine. All of a sudden, it was about five or six women that we all had lunch and just talked nonstop and shared all these things. And I wasn't alone. And, you know, that was as an adult. So if kids can find that sooner or teenagers or college age, that would just, um, I think, make all the difference. It really does. And it was interesting for me. I think last year was the first type one nation that I ever went to, um, which was great. I got to sit on the teen panel, which was yep. super fun and great. And uh, and then seeing all of the kids just playing and interacting with each other and talking and kind of going through their sessions, which is tough to do as a kid, you know, meeting a bunch of new people. I think the little kids are better at it than, uh, than sometimes the older kids or even adults because they just don't care about being <laughs> right. embarrassed or anything. Um, but seeing kind of teens who are you know, going through a lot of stuff anyway, talking to each other and having somebody to lean on, like you said, and, and just like, hey, I'm not alone. I'm not a freak. Um, I'm, I'm out here and, um, you know, just, just existing and thriving. And, you know, I, I have questions or this is what I do, tips and tricks. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of cool. It's really an awesome thing to be a part of. I agree. And one of the cutest things um, I just love seeing is I'll look over and there's a couple different age kids, but, you know, if they're little kids and they're showing each other their Omnipod or they're showing each other their uh, Dexcom. Um, and, you know, there's just no, that's just natural. And they're excited that somebody else has this too. And um, gosh, I, I, that would have been so weird for me. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, uh, so what was it like for you? Uh, you, you know, where did you? I don't know where you. Where did you grow up? And then, um, you know, obviously being the only person that you knew with diabetes, did you? Uh, did you ever? Do you remember your first encounter with somebody else with type one? Well, let's see. I grew up. Um, I was diagnosed in Kansas City, Missouri, and then um, shortly thereafter, a couple years, we moved to San Antonio, Texas. Um, there may have been one boy in my high school with it, and I think I found out about him like my senior year, but we weren't friends. So um, i trying to remember who the first person, it was at a job. Yeah, there was a, a coworker at a job, and I was just like beside myself, could not wait to go meet her and talk to her, and <laughs> she probably thought I was a little overwhelming, but we became fast friends and um, you know share about all of that a lot. Um, but up until then, yeah, I just really didn't know anybody. And then my big introduction, of course, was when Deborah invited me to that um, adult group. And it was a regular uh, group that, that meets. And so these were all friends and, you know, very easy to talk to each other. And does this happen to you? And, hey, this is happening. What do you think that is? And, oh, my gosh, that happens to me, too. And it, it was amazing. Loved it. Loved it. It makes such a huge difference. Yeah. I think um, I was very similar to you. I had some friends that I grew up with that I knew that had type 1, but I didn't, we never sat down and talked about it after I got right. diagnosed or we just kind of existed in the same world, but we weren't really close friends. Right, um, right. And I, I think the first time anybody ever that I encountered someone, I remember uh, a new Chipotle opened on my college campus. So there was this huge line outside because they were giving <laughs> away free burritos. So free burritos yeah. and college kids. <laughs> there was an angry mob. And I had uh, shorts on and my pump tubing was outside kind of, you know, connecting from my, like my stomach to my pocket. Uh -huh. And uh, somebody walked by and, and just 
pulled out their pump and said, hey, like, I know, like, hey, what's up? <laughs> and they showed me their pump. And I just remember being like, so kind of like taken aback and just like, we just hugged. And I had ne- <laughs> never seen this guy before or I never saw him again. But we just had this wow. like weird thing in common. It was like really cool. That kinda, is and it, very I just remember cool. my kind of heart racing a little bit and just feeling really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Someone uh, did that to me on an airplane once. I was sitting down and my tube was kind of sticking out of my pocket. And a gentleman walked by and said, type one diabetic. I looked up, I said, yeah. He said, yeah, and he showed me his pump, too. It was just, yeah, like this secret club all of a sudden. Yeah, <laughs> like you're a card-carrying member. Like. Exactly, exactly. Oh, that's super fun. Um, so last year, um, in, in a given year, you guys do a bunch of huge events for JDRF. Yes, um, and yes. So Type 1 Nation is the biggie that you mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, for outreach anyway. So it's an all-day-long educational summit. Um, all of the major cities in the U.S. have one now. Um, and we have speakers come in from all over the country, uh, talk about the different you know, topics related to type one. I try to have a track for adults living with type one and then a track for parents of kiddos um, and even some courses for alternate caregivers like babysitters or significant others or uh, grandparents. Um, and then we also have uh, the whole day we have a activities plan for the kids that are um, five through 11. We call that the T1D superheroes room. And then we have another uh, room for the teen track, which is 12 through 16. Um, And again, that's a great place for them to all get to meet each other. And um, we have all of our vendors come out and talk about the pumps and all the different things that are going on. And we invite um, any nonprofit groups in the area that somehow support type one diabetes. So like there's an exercise group here in town. I'm going right. to invite them to have a table and there's a camp, Camp Sweeney here, you know, is going to have a table. So hopefully it's a place where you can learn a ton of stuff about what's going on, meet a lot of other people, get inspired. Um, you know, I'm always looking for speakers that have something to say that, you know, inspires the rest of the community and makes them want to go out and, and do big things in their lives. So, yeah. Well, and and I think that's such an important part of this, right? Um, and I, I obviously our target audience is other people with type one diabetes, and right. I think sometimes it it gets it's easy to talk about diabetes the whole time. Um, but I think I I always want to know, and I'm always interested in the things outside of you know once you get past testing your blood sugar four or five times a day and changing your pump sites and you know dealing with highs and lows. Like, you know, what are the things that you love to do and are passionate about and, like, that really fill up your cup and uh, and are ins- inspiring to other people? So, right, um, right. it's so cool to meet so many people doing their own, uh, like, very unique things. And uh, and I, yeah, th- that's what I love doing as well. I love to yeah. just say, hey, what are you doing? Oh, that's super cool. I want to just talk about it. Right, right. I love that. Well, I'm probably going to um, pull you aside after this little uh, discussion is over and find out about some of the other people you've talked to because um, especially with the teenagers like you mentioned earlier you were on a panel last year I would in an ideal world I'd love to have a young person come in that was an athlete and then someone who was a musician and then someone who was an artist and you know someone who was a brainiac and just all the different types of people out there so that these teens can see no matter who they are they can relate to someone who's um, you know living life big it's a type one yeah it's so important because I think your first when whenever you get diagnosed like your the first thing that pops in your head is like oh am I gonna are my dreams still like intact right um, and I had a great experience at Children's because uh, Children's Medical Center in Dallas is obviously I, I I'll never stop 
prom uh, promoting how great they are uh, because I had an amazing diagnosis experience. But there are other people, everybody's different. Right. And at different times right. and different locations. Um, do how you remember? Long, how long were you in the hospital when you were diagnosed? Uh, I think four days I was there. Okay. So, I, but it was over the holidays. It was like New Year's Day I got diagnosed. Right. And so, like, there was the holiday crew and everybody was just so accommodating and very nice. And it was kind of slow around the hospital. So, I feel like I got a little extra uh, attention because of that, which right. was nice. Um, and then my mom made me go back to school on Monday, which like didn't even I didn't even miss any school, which so shout, big shout out to her. Um, yeah, when I was diagnosed, I was in for two weeks. Um, went straight from you know the doctor's office to the hospital, and I remember a few things. I remember great care. Um, I remember you know giving a shot to an orange, and then the teddy bear, and then me in the first day. Um, I remember we had wheelchair races in the hallway with some of the other kiddos who were there. Um, the only uh, negative thing, or yeah, negative thing I would say about my experience is I remember leaving with some messages. And I don't know if they were told to me exactly verbatim, but I remember thinking uh, my lifespan would be till about 35-ish. Um, and that I would definitely suffer complications, you know, something I'd go blind or lose a foot or, you know, one of those terrible things, um, and that I wouldn't be able to have children. And so, um, again, that was 41 years ago, and so everyone knows better than that by now, I think, but it was something that I had to slowly overcome as I met people that were defying that. And, you know, now I know all of that's just hogwash, so. Right, and I, but I think, you know, predispositions and like uh, misconceptions about diabetes, I, I mean, there are entire, you know, social media pages with, you know, memes about what people say about, oh, diabetes is this, diabetes is that. And right. I think um, until they meet somebody, and, and really it's just ignorance is bliss, sort of, like nobody means anything sure, harmful by sure. it, I think. but. Um, yeah, what are those? What are those misconceptions that you run into talking to parents or talking to new diagnosed diabetics or new people in the community? What What are those questions that they come up with? Well, the big one is always there's uh, not an understanding of the difference between type one and type two, and that's just prevalent. Um, by the time I meet the families, they have kind of been through. You know, they've been diagnosed for a couple of weeks, and that's probably the main thing that they learned. Um, but yeah, the difference between type one and type two is a big thing. And, um, and this is just people on the street that, you know, did you eat too much sugar? Gosh, you're not fat, how do you have diabetes? You know, just all of those types of things, which I know people just wanna connect and relate, but it can also be really frustrating to hear comments like that. And um, to your point, you know, ignorance is bliss and it just takes uh, a moment to try to educate and share lovingly that, you know, that, that's not actually accurate. Let me tell you a little bit more about it so that you know going forward well it's hard too right because um, most of us who are type 1 diabetics and are experts now in our own little field right. of the universe we didn't know anything about it when we were diagnosed either so I think right. you know it's very personal and it's a personal journey but I think I don't know I'm, I'm prone to give a little bit more slack for, sure. for people sometimes just because they it's not a they're just like you said trying to connect trying right. to have something in common trying to learn a little bit about you right. and I know if I was speaking to someone about the various types of whatever um, cancer for example I wouldn't know the first thing about the differences and the so I try to keep that in mind too that yeah. you know if you don't have it how are you expected to know right and then all of the jokes that are on TV all the time um, as funny as they are they <laughs> just contribute to the confusion you know about uh, just just what you've heard one too many Wilford Brimley jokes yes is yes <laughs> <Okay>. exactly <laughs> If I could only have a mustache like Wilford Brimley. <laughs> You're getting close. I'm, I'm working on it. 
Um, so, rewind three years ago. Okay. Um, you've kind of gotten involved in the community and, and met some other adults with uh, with Type One, and you're uh, and you're at this point where you can get involved with JDRF from a career standpoint. Mm-hmm. What walk me through what that was like? So I had been volunteering already for several years, um, which is how I knew Deborah, who invited me to that you know luncheon. Um, and over the years, I'd also volunteered by going to walks. Just I remember in sixth grade, you know, going from door to door, knocking on the door and collecting quarters after I walked, you know, however many miles. Um, but I was starting to look for a new job, and I was in uh, advertising before that. So, um, it was a great career, but I was getting a little tired and looking for something maybe more fulfilling. And um, I heard about this opportunity from Deborah, and I just I mean, jumped on it. I that was the most persistent I have ever chased a job. <laughs> I hounded the executive director, pick me, pick me, I'm the one, pick me. Um, and so it was like I said, it was really just a perfect match. Um, the fact that I was type one uh, holds so much weight with all of these families, I think. Um, and there's just a, a mutual um, uh, compassion, you know, for the lives that we're all le- leading together. Um, and then it just fits with some of my other. Uh, skill sets, uh, which is, you know, like I said, men- uh, like I mentioned, talking to other people, reaching out, connecting people, um, keeping up with all that. So it was just sort of a natural fit. Jumped right in. So awesome. And it, I mean, a great quality of an outreach manager is willingness to reach out. So I think, you know, I think your, <laughs> your persistence really paid off and is, is really awesome. So, um, you know, we're Thank really you. glad to have you. Thank you. Um, Let's talk about uh, you know the importance of getting involved. If I if I'm in a community, maybe not in Dallas, maybe somewhere else around the country or even around the world, getting involved with JDRF, where do I what do I do to to do that? Absolutely, um, I could not recommend it more highly. Even even if I didn't work here, I would say that um, because it is so important to find a community. Um, we are not in every city in the country, so I would Google you know JDRF and see if we're in your local community there. Um, and reach out and get involved and find out, you know, if they have an adult support group or, you know, who, how you could get involved and connect with other people. Um, one thing that we have for a lot of adults is our ride program. So they're destination rides every year and you can train in your own, you know, town or community and um, then you meet all the other ride members at the destinations and ride together and make connections that way. So that's really cool. Um, some other things we have YLC for young adults so it's the young leadership committee and that's a great way to get involved and um, you know beef up your your leadership skills and and you can add this to your resume as something to you know to add to your um, to your marketable skills um, but then if you're not in a community that's really close uh, you can again reach out and find out who the closest chapter is but there's uh, ways you can get involved and have your own little events we call it um, JDRF DIY do it yourself and it's a website and you can get online and decide I want to have a bowling party and um, you know you can create that use the website um, do some fundraising if you'd like to support the mission uh, of finding a cure for type 1 and, and funding research um, so that's another way to get involved, but I would I would definitely go on the website um, as a first starting point because it has lots of information. Um, there's also I'm sorry one more thing. There's also a couple online um, like chat room and support groups uh, through the JDRF website. So you can ask a question or get a conversation started, and other people from all over the country can answer it. 
you can also look for perhaps other people in your area that way. And if there are other people that are close by, they would you know, be able to join in that conversation. Um, and there's volunteers that man that uh, from a national perspective. So if you have questions, they could intercede and you know, give you ideas or resources or whatever you need that way. So jdrf.org is a good place to start. Fantastic. Okay. Um, all right, I want to shift gears a little bit. All right. Uh, kind of go to our lightning round. Um, just like quick, quick, just quick questions. Um, so, uh, I always, I almost always ask this question unless they answer it, uh, without me asking, which is always really cool to see. But, um, so if you could tell one thing to somebody who was recently diagnosed with type one diabetes, one thing at all for them to take away and, and for them to remember, what would it be? Well, I do meet newly diagnosed so often. Um, there's a couple things probably. The, uh, the one that's instructional, as I say, no matter who you are, always, always, always have sugar on you. On you, not by you, on you. Uh, so that's my little safety tip. But um, other than that, you know, this is, um, it's, it's tough, but there's also a blessing in this. And you learn a lot of things about yourself and about your body and about, um, your health and about your family and your community. I mean, there's so much more awareness that comes with this. Um, I know for me, I, I have a lot of skills that I don't think I would have had if I hadn't had this diagnosis and a lot of qualities that I don't think I would have had. So there's definitely blessings in this. Um, that would probably be my one thing. That's awesome and very true. Um, you know, it's, it's weird to think of like, you know, hey, I'm great at data analysis because I have to, <laughs> I have to deal with right? that on a daily it, basis. Even those spreadsheets, yeah. I am really good at that, yeah. just like those logs. But uh, I wouldn't have this job, for example. Yeah. And um, I just really couldn't imagine being more happy and more fulfilled at a job. And so that's why this works so well for me. So there are definitely blessings if you look for them, I think. Uh, my other question is, um, if you had to think of, if you had to pick one like favorite moment from your time with JDRF, like uh, you know interacting with somebody or where you just saw you, you know just something that just lit lit you up or overflowed your overflowed your cup, as it were, what uh, what would you choose? It would have to be one of the little ones because you know they're so cute. <laughs> so there's this little girl named Lily, and she's six, and she was diagnosed, I believe, when she was a little over one. And uh, she has just curly, curly red hair, just like Shirley Temple. And I met her mom, and so I made sure that she got one of our uh, Rufus teddy bears. So it's a little teddy bear with patches on its arms and legs, so you can give it a shot when you're taking your shot. So I mailed her a Rufus for Lily, and she took a video of Lily and sent it back to me. And she's hugging this little teddy bear just as hard as she can. And she doesn't have all of her teeth, so she's, you know, I love my Woofus. And I was like, oh my God, my job is the best ever. Um, and they've become really active in the chapter. They come out to the walk all the time now. And Lily's growing up and she's just such a sweetie. And, you know, her mom's having to go through a lot because they're in and out of the hospital quite a bit because she is so little. But um, just watching her grow and watching her get to that point where pretty soon things will stable out, I think, is so fulfilling and lovely and sweet. That's awesome, right? and it makes a difference. And yeah, the, um, really appreciate all the work that you do as well. It's just uh, it does make a difference. And I think uh, I think we all have some sort of experience like that where we're like, hey, this made a difference for me. Somebody yes. along the line, and um, you know, it's awesome that you get to do that for people. You do have the best job. It's awesome. I do, I do. And if anyone wants to see that cute little video, it's on our Facebook page for JDRF Dallas. 
It's one of the videos right there. It's a little curly-haired blonde girl, and you can see how cute she is. So we'll definitely, <laughs> I'll definitely have to post that in the show notes. There you um, go. <laughs> so, so that everybody can get a quick link to that. Uh, well, Tiny, thanks so much for You're taking so the time. You're so welcome. This was yeah. really fun. Yeah, Thank it was. You. Yes. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, get involved with your JERF chapter. I promise you it's, it's super rewarding, and you'll get to meet some awesome people. So. Yes. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Diabetics Doing Things. Subscribe to our newsletter for weekly emails and behind-the-scenes content. And if you or someone you know has an amazing story to share, send an email to rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com.